Welcome to the Village Church Podcast. Thanks for stopping by and taking the time to listen. We've prayed that this podcast channel blesses and encourages the Village family. So lean in with an open heart, eager to grow, and enjoy the episode. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's quickly pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that we all have access to it, that we have freedom to read it and learn from it and and, and teach out of it. And so I ask this morning that, Holy Spirit, you would pierce our hearts, you would challenge our thinking, and Lord, we would become more like you, Jesus, because of your word and the power of your word, that it is alive and active, that it is God-breathed. And Lord, I ask that you would equip us for every good work this morning. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen. Amen. All right, so, all good, all good. Two quick disclaimers. The first thing is this. If we were doing a series in the book of Ephesians and we were going to exegete the passages throughout this book, verse by verse, line by line, then this morning's sermon would probably look a little bit different. That's a quick disclaimer. Paul is, the the emphasis that Paul is making and teaching and instructing into is the roles of wives and husbands in a Christian household. And so again, if we were looking line by line, I would emphasize and, and focus in on, on, on the roles of wives and husbands and what that looks like in the relationship to Christ and the church. However, we're in a series called Church Complete and we're wanting to look at how God, through Paul, describes the different faces and aspects of his church. And so he not only is he teaching into the roles in a Christian household, but actually he leans on the relationship between Christ and the church. And in doing so, he paints an incredible picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. And so that's the emphasis this morning. So uh, it's not that I, yeah, that's, that's going to be our focus this morning. The other thing I wanted to say quickly or ask is what comes to your mind when I say the word church? What comes to mind? People. People. Us. Us. Bride. Community. A building. A building. Sunday. So, so, point proven. There's a variety of things that come to mind. And generally speaking, those things will be correct. 
What I want to quickly just make sure we're all on the same page this morning is when I say church, Jesus is, Jesus is coming back for one bride. And that's the universal church. That's the church of all around the world for all of time. However, the universal church is made up of millions of local churches just like us around the world currently in this present day. And every single one of those millions of local churches is made up of individual believers, individual members like you and I that make part that make up part of that local church. And those millions of local churches make up the global church. And so all of that to say is this, the universal global church, local churches and individual believers, it's all connected. We don't need to try and create a false dichotomy or divorce the the idea of the universal church versus an individual believer. We're all connected. And so when I speak around the bride of Christ, I'm referring to this universal church, Christians across the world. Because Jesus is returning for one bride. However, the implications of these truths have application for us as a local church and for us as individual members and parts of this local church. So it's all connected and it applies to us as individuals, but we're talking corporate as well. So are we all all on the same page? You with me? Amazing. So when Paul... The Apostle Paul teaches into the Bride of Christ and paints this picture. Paul is not coming up with a random new idea. He didn't just, by the Holy Spirit, think of this new idea. The idea of of God as a husband is an Old Testament idea. In fact, even in the Gospels, Jesus refers to himself as a bridegroom in the question of fasting with his disciples. And he refers to himself as the bridegroom. And then in the Old Testament, this is what God says through Isaiah and Jeremiah. Chapter 54 of verse 5 of Isaiah, it says, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth, he is called. And then Jeremiah says, return, faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. And so Paul is, is, is leaning on Old Testament truth and then by the Holy Spirit providing New Testament instruction. We are the church, the bride. Who has heard of the story of Hosea and Goma? Leaning back to an Old Testament story, Hosea and Goma. So God told Hosea to go and marry a prostitute. And for him to be, for him and Goma, Hosea and Goma, Goma was the prostitute. They were to get married and they had children. They had three children. And one day Hosea, Hosea wakes up and Goma is gone. Goma has left him and she's left their three kids. And do you know what God does? God speaks to Hosea again in chapter 3, verse 1. And he says, Hosea, go and love her. Go and find this woman and love her who is right now committing sin. Who is right now committing adultery. Go and love her. And so Hosea goes and he buys Goma back from her new owners. And he pays for Goma to be his wife again. Hosea is a picture of God and Goma is a picture of the people of God. 
Just as Hosea went searching for his wife, Jesus came searching for the salvation of humanity. According to Luke chapter 19 verse 10, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And so the truth is for you and I as part of the church, our Hosea has come. Jesus has come. And Jesus redeemed the people of God. Jesus purchased what was already His. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Creator God, mankind is the unique possession of our Creator. And yet 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and purchased back what was already His. Jesus purchased back the people of God. He redeemed the people. He, took, he regained possession of what was already His. Point number one this morning. Christ redeemed His bride. We're talking about the bride of Christ. Point number one. Christ redeemed His bride. Paul gives us a glimpse of this in chapter 5 verse 25 of Ephesians. He talks about husbands and what husbands are called to do. But then he says this. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 700 plus years ago, after 700 plus years after Hosea, sorry, Jesus came and he purchased back what was already his. He redeemed the people of God. And in doing so, not only did he regain possession of humanity, which was already his, but he actually canceled the debt of sin. And he saved humanity. And so as the bride, we have been redeemed. In great love. And this is so important. Everything I talk about today, it's from a place of great love that Jesus had. In great love, Christ redeemed his people and sacrificed himself upon the cross. He gave up himself, went to the cross, so that we as his people could be cleansed, redeemed, and saved. What a truth. And if you're like me, this, this truth that can be so well known, this truth, we can become so complacent with this truth. And we can overlook this truth. And we can neglect to be awestruck at just what Christ has done. Because we know it so well, we hear it so often. But the fact is, we were dead and now we're alive. We have been redeemed. We've been cleansed. And Jesus, our bridegroom, did what needed to be done for sinners like you and I to be redeemed, cleansed, and become part of His bride. And so very simply, I want to ask this morning, are you a part of the redeemed bride? Have you personally been redeemed? Point number two this morning. Christ refines His bride. Number one, Christ redeemed his bride. Number two, Christ refines his bride. We'll look at Ephesians chapter 5 again from verse 25 and 26. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Jesus' purpose on the cross was to sanctify the church, to put the church once and forever into a position of being special to God. 
but not once and forever being special to God, he then continues a process of cleansing her. So yes, the church has been redeemed. That's positional sanctification. The church has been redeemed. She has been cleansed. She has been saved. She's received the imputed righteousness of Christ. But then there's this progressive sanctification. Positional sanctification, the church has been redeemed. Progressive sanctification, the church, there's this continual cleansing by the washing of the word. So Paul writes in verse 26. So yes, Christ redeems his bride. That's positional sanctification. But Christ also refines his bride. Progressive sanctification where he continues the process of cleansing and purifying her, the bride, the church, us, with a spirit, where the spirit of God produces a maturing, where the spirit of God produces a, a becoming more holy, increasing in likeness to Christ. Christ refines his bride. Christ is refining you and I. And so, just wanting to sum up that, Jesus died on the cross to make it possible to redeem his people and to be able to set apart the church to himself and then continue this process for all of history of the church of continually cleansing, purifying, and refining her. Progressive sanctification. And God does this refining. God does this cleansing. He does this washing with His Word. With His Scripture. This passage is not referring to water baptism. It's referring to a washing and a cleansing and a bathing by the Word of God. Christ refines His bride. Let me put it like this. Just as the blood of Christ cleanses the church once and for all from the guilt and penalty of sin. So the word of God cleanses the church continually from the defilement and pollution of sin. I'll say that again. Just as the blood of Christ cleanses the church once for all time from the guilt and penalty of sin, the word of God cleanses the church continually from the defilement and pollution of sin. And that's the difference between positional sanctification and progressive sanctification. Jesus went to the cross to sanctify the church. He's made us clean, but he's in a process of cleaning us continually. We are holy and blameless, yet when he returns, we will be without spot or wrinkle. So hopefully we've seen the difference here. We are already pure in position. But it's the sanctifying process to be made pure in practice. Redemption and justification says we are pure in position. Sons of God. His righteousness for us. But progressive sanctification says that he is in the process of continually washing us by the word of God through the spirit of God to then continue to cleanse us and make us pure in practice. And as we look around, we know this is our position, secure in Christ. Yet in practice, 
the Spirit of God is still a sanctifying work to take place. Unless it's just me. And so just finishing on point two, the Word of God, excuse me, the Word of God sets the standard and acts as the instrument to probe, convict, and to cause repentance, confession, and adjustment in our lives. It's the Word of God. And so my question this morning, are you allowing the Word of God by the Spirit of God to refine you? Are we allowing the Word of God by the Spirit of God to refine us? That is His cleansing agent. That is how He plans by His Spirit to bathe and cleanse His church in this continual process called sanctification. He has a challenge. Outside of a Sunday service, does the Word of God even have an opportunity to refine us? Point number three. Christ will return for His bride. Christ has redeemed His bride. Christ refines His bride. And number three, Christ will Return for his bride. Let's read three verses again from chapter 5 of Ephesians. From verse 25. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. In the past, Christ's love was manifested in our justification. In the present, His love is seen in our sanctification. And in the future, His love will be displayed in our glorification. He Himself will present to Himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Now, it might be interesting if you picked it up. Normally in the custom, normally in the custom, the bride is presented to the bridegroom by a third party. The father presents his bride as they walk down the aisle to the bridegroom. But did you notice here that it's Christ himself who prepares his bride and then presents his bride to himself? Why is that? Christ is the only one who is able to prepare the church for this occasion. It is Christ and Christ alone who has redeemed, who is refining, and it's Christ who returned for His bride, and it's Christ who is the only one who can prepare her and ready her to then present her to Himself. And we are the bride of our great Christ. Paul, just finishing point number three, Paul is speaking of Christ's future plans for his bride. There's a future element to this. And Jesus intends to bring her, the church, his bride, to a high level of purity. 
That's Jesus' intention. He wants to bring His bride to a high level of purity. And by the way, the gates of hell cannot defeat Jesus' church. The gates of hell cannot defeat Jesus' church. She will succeed in being ready for His return. Why? Because it's He Himself, by His Spirit, that's preparing her. And the bride, the church, you and I as part of this universal church, will be brought to a high level of maturity before Jesus comes. We will be without spots or wrinkle. And so what is... What is what does Paul mean by a bride without spot or wrinkle? Now, my bride, Alana, just by the way, she, she, was, she was drop dead gorgeous on our wedding day. Nearly three years ago today, when she walked down the aisle in her beautiful dress, without a spot on the dress, without a wrinkle on her skin, which is fair enough given that she'd never worn the dress before and she was only 20 years old. And so that's fair enough. But when Alana came down that aisle, I was ugly crying and my body was convulsing and I couldn't control my emotions. I couldn't control the love in that moment. My bride. Now I don't know about you, But have you ever gone to a wedding or a fancy function or even getting yourselves ready for church in the morning? And you've spent some time thinking about, man, what outfit am I going to wear and da 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 And as soon as you get ready, which might have taken 45 minutes or whatever, you then realize as you look in the mirror that there's a spot on your clothes. Has anyone been there or is it just my wife? And so she realizes after all this time, oh, there's a spot on my dress. I can't wear it. And she has to think, go through this whole process of changing clothes and getting ready to, to go to the wedding or go to the function or go to church. What point am I trying to make? For there to be a spot on Alana's dress means that something external has splashed onto her. Right? Something's rubbed on. Something's, as she's eaten some food, it's splattered onto her. And, and there's now a spot on the dress. For, for someone, for a, a guy, a man or woman to, to have wrinkles over time, I googled how wrinkles are formed and apparently it's a fault in the body that's often based on age or stress and hormones. Now, what's the point I'm trying to make? What do I believe Paul is showing us through the scriptures is that there are external things that splash onto the bride. There are external things that splash onto the church as we walk through the world. And it's the world that causes the stains on the church. It's the world around the church. As we as God's people move through life, the world that is anti-God rubs up on us, it splashes us, and we, are, we, we can be stained. That's the world externally. The wrinkles is the flesh still in the church. We're in a process of sanctification and the world causes stains and the flesh still in us causes wrinkles, spiritually speaking. But there will come a day when sanctification is complete and Christ returns for a spotless, wrinklelessness bride. We will be without spots, without blemish. 
and it is all because of our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And so the challenge for us, let's not be like the people of God of old. When Hosea, a picture of God, marries Goma, and over time Goma leaves her and goes back to her, her, her previous owners, goes back to, dare I say it, prostitution. There is a danger for us as the church. We have been redeemed. We are pure in position. Yet as we walk through the world and as we still deal with the flesh inside of us, we can so easily go back to what was. We can so easily go back to Egypt, so to speak. And it's a challenge for us. We have been redeemed. We ha- Christ has regained possession of us. Now let's stay with Him. Stay with the bridegroom. So just as we close, two application points. Number one, how's your love for the bridegroom? Right now, let's make it personal. Let's move from the universal. Let's move from the local. And let's move to the individual believer. How is your love for your bridegroom? Just like a marriage requires unwavering devotion and wholehearted commitment, God had unwavering devotion and wholehearted commitment towards us. He redeemed us. He is refining us. To one day return for us. And it's all because of his great love. And the only appropriate and obvious response to that love. We love because he first loved us. 1 John 4.19 And it's from that place of receiving his love from the bridegroom. That as the bride our only appropriate response is to love him the same way back. How is your love for the bridegroom? That unwavering devotion and wholehearted commitments that we are called as God's people to to show to our spouse, how much more to our bridegroom in heaven? How is your love this morning? Do you know what's interesting? Is that the same church, the Ephesians church, the church in Ephesus that received this letter from Paul approximately around AD 60 to AD 62. This same church received another letter. Not from Paul, but from the Apostle John. And we see this letter in the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 2, in verse 4 specifically, we see what Jesus says to this church again. In AD 95-ish, let's say around 35 years later, God spoke from saying, you know, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and da 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 da. 35 or so years later, this is what Jesus says to to the same church. Revelation 2 verse 4, I have this against you, that you abandoned the love you had at first. The same church. 35 or so years later. And my question, my challenge to myself and to us in this local church 
is have we abandoned the love we had at first? Have we abandoned our first love? Not abandoned Him, but abandoned the unwavering devotion and wholehearted commitment towards Him. Have we drifted from that love? Like the Ephesians church did 35 or so years later. And the second question I would like to ask this morning is, how's your attitude towards the bride? Number one, how's your love to the bridegroom? But number two, how's your attitude towards his bride? What does Jesus think of his church? What does Jesus feel towards her? How does Jesus talk about her? Jesus loves and cherishes his bride. And we ought to do the same. In fact, we're a part of that bride. So why would we lob grenades at each other, at ourselves? I mean, think of your reaction. Think of your reaction if someone was to speak bad about your spouse. What's our attitude like towards his bride? Can I invite us for all that are able just to stand to our feet as I close on a passage of scripture from Titus. Titus chapter 2, just three verses. I think it so beautifully sums up this message and you'll see Titus chapter 2 from verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Help us, Father. Jesus, help us as your bride to walk this out. In Jesus' name, amen.